0: This episode is brought to you by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management company that has developed a simple and straightforward management fee based on profit, not revenue. If you're a hotel owner that believes in a new way of doing business and want to learn more about the benefits of a profit-based management agreement, visit knowinghospitality.com. Now let's get to the podcast.
1: To really focus, I know I look at Humanist Hospitality with double-dialing on training and recognition, reward, communication, everything that we do to make sure that our partners feel like their partners. We use that name intentionally because it means so much. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight.
0: My guest today is David Martin. He's the COO of Humanist Hospitality a hotel management company born during the pandemic that has been working hard to infuse new thinking into the human connections at the heart of the hotel industry. Their goal from the start was to flip the status quo on the employee life cycle, bringing in meaningful benefits, training, and development opportunities to aid those workers who helped the company survive the pandemic and to entice those who either left or are thinking about a career in the industry. This is a discussion happening all over, but I wanted to dive deeper than just talking about higher pay and signing bonuses. We're all trying to figure out what the next version of a hospitality career looks like, but in spite of all the unknown, you can bet that putting more emphasis on employee relations is what the winning companies will be doing. So let's get to it. This is episode 71 of the Proven Principles podcast, David Martin on a humanist view of hospitality. Enjoy. David, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you.
1: Great, well, thank you for having me. I'm very grateful to be on a part of the show.
0: Yeah, you got it. So uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? What's your background?
1: Well, um, I have uh, been in uh, the hospitality industry for, I was trying to count it out, about 37 years. Um, Started out uh, kind of in a very unorthodox way. I was actually working for McDonald's Corporation, uh, and I was asked if I wanted to be a general manager of a hotel at the age of 23. Huh. Uh, up in Tacoma, Washington, and so I had my first set of keys as a general manager at the age, young age of twenty-three, uh, but it was a hundred and eighty-nine room full-service hotel off the side of I five in Tacoma, Washington. So, Not
0: far, just just a few miles down the road from where we are now.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was actually in Fife, but yes. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. Great. <laughs> so first GM posting at 23. Uh, a lot of listeners might be envious right now to hear that.
1: Well, no, it wasn't easy. I can tell you that much.
0: <laughs> uh, how did, I'm curious, how did that even come to be? How do you, did, was, did an owner just walk in and be like, Hey, you look like you can do it. Here's the keys.
1: Well, I won't digress too much, but a short story I was shooting for in the Tuckwilla McDonald's and Tuckwilla Washington Uh, It was the second highest uh, revenue on the West Coast outside of Alaska. And I was in the middle of the street uh, trying to get the drive-through, single booth drive-through record. And as I was doing so, it took me about two and a half months in which I did achieve that, 189 cars in an hour. But an owner and a chief operating officer for a local company in the Northwest called Nendell's was driving by while he was developing a hotel there and, Uh, We met, and I told him, come back after I'm through with this, and we talked over a period of months, and he offered me a position, said, come work at the opening hotel and learn all the acronyms, and then I'll put you down in another hotel, which I didn't realize at the time, I wasn't that bright at the time, but it was... uh, it was a, a hotel that was in foreclosure, uh, hmm. so I learned my first distressed asset in my first hotel on how to operate <laughs> it, but I uh, oh operated God. it for two and a half years, and they sold it, and uh, the rest was history.
0: Trial by fire.
1: Yes. yeah, and it, and
0: it didn't scare you away. You stayed in it.
1: Oh, no, no. It was, it was quite a challenge and uh, a big change in what I was doing relative to managing You know, the younger members of, of the industry versus sitting in my first staff meeting with people that were my parents' age. So it was very different at the time.
0: Oh, I remember those meetings very well, <laughs> early in my career. Uh, so how did you, what was the, maybe the cliff notes from from then until where you are today, CEO of Humanist Hospitality?
1: Well, uh, long run, I was an operator on the West Coast as a general manager for almost 17 years. Um, I landed with a great company out of San Francisco called Kimpton Hotel and Restaurant Group uh which um i operated for them as a gm for two years then moved into multi-unit vice president of the west coast vice president of the east coast uh then i was recruited away uh to uh, be the svp for uh, Wyndham hotel and resorts overseeing the america's caribbean uh both franchise and managed and that was obviously a, a big change and my career just led down several paths uh helping other operators owner operators lead their organizations both in the country and out of the country so it's been a a very interesting career track for me
0: yeah it sounds like it just going from one big operation to the next and and now at at humanist hospitality what's what's going on over there how did you find your way into the organization and how how did this all come to be
1: well, I would actually, uh, I spent some time in Memphis helping an organization there. Um, I went back for uh, to Memphis, and there was a grand opening of a hotel uh, right across the street from the stadium, uh, the baseball stadium, the, the Redbird Stadium. It was a Hilton Garden Inn, and uh, I attended the grand opening by fluke, and I met Mitch Patel uh, at the opening, uh, very first time I ever met him, heard of him many, many times. Uh, we forged a relationship at the time I was working out of the country and my family and grandkids are in the States. So I, uh, I was up in Canada. So I decided uh, to join hands with Mitch over a dialogue of about three months. And uh, we were able to uh, concrete uh, a, an opportunity within his organization to help him with vision hospitality. Um, and humanist hospitality gave birth through the pandemic as we were looking at um, how, what impact the pandemic would have on the industry, we saw an opportunity at that time to launch a management organization to help other owner-operators that may be looking at coming out of the pandemic in a struggle fashion, didn't have a great experience with the employee and management of the facilities or their assets at the time. Where they want to be owners so we want them to be owners we want to provide dividends and and return on their investment but to take away that heavy lifting of of day-to-day management of their businesses Um, and again humanist hospitality is a byproduct of 25 years of vision hospitality highly credentialed organization tremendous Mm -hmm. culture brands uh brand recognition through every year current year um we've, we've been recognized as as a number one or a t- very top provider of management service and operator within the industry.
0: Yeah, um, I, I want to dive into this a lot, but you mentioned Canada, so I have to ask: wh- Where were you in Canada?
1: I was in Toronto. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, it was a company called Sunwing Travel. It's the third, oh yeah, second, I know them. Yeah, the largest travel uh, travel vertically travel. Uh, excuse me, uh, vertical integrated travel company. Which means we owned our airlines, the retail, wholesale, the the excursion, as well as resorts. All of our resorts were in uh, Central America, South America, Caribbean, um, and Cuba. We had fifteen hotels in Cuba, and oh, so with
0: those branded planes, right?
1: With those branded planes, yeah. Yes, I remember yeah, seeing those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I
0: grew up in Canada, so anytime uh, someone says, you know, I have, <laughs> I have to, I have to at least ask. Yeah, um, perfect. Yeah, no, that's great. I I'm really curious to dive into the the development and launch of a hotel management company during the pandemic. Um, And (laughs) that's a little bit selfish uh, because I've been working on the side to do the same thing uh, for a couple of years now. And, uh, and so I don't want to mine all your great ideas, but I (laughs) kind (laughs) of do.
1: That's fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But uh, really more about the, the evolution and how the company came to be. Um, I mean, it's very easy to sit back and, And I think at the time, several people who were trying to figure out what the future of the industry looked like said to themselves, well, if this is anything like 2008, 2009, there's probably gonna be a lot of hotels changing hands. Uh, There's probably a big opportunity to help independent owners who don't have the bandwidth or the desire to run their properties anymore. So maybe starting a management company to help them would be a good idea. Uh, And it turns out two years later, uh, that that's not, there's not been a lot of things similar to 2008, 2009 through this pandemic, which I think is, uh, in terms of hotels changing hands and bankruptcies and loans failing and all that stuff, it's just been, it's a bit of a head scratcher, but that said, uh, what is the opportunity that you saw? Was it, was it purely, was it kind of based on that lens or was it, was it looking through the lens of you know this is our opportunity to fix things that we all know are broken in the industry and we can we can maybe be tip of the spear in helping push our industry in a new direction
1: well we definitely have participated in helping to shift the the mindset of the larger brands that control most of the inventory out there um, we feel that the 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 creep and sophistic- the, the creep that has occurred and and a lot of the uh, brands uh, has caused the owners margins to, to, to decrease significantly over the years. So that was one lens on how we come out of this as it relates to an industry and what that offering was. I think the second part of that, we also saw the opportunity for operators that uh, that were going to come out of this that needed to make decisions on their long term plans on their investing in hospitality. To uh, to reconsider that if they had to operate these hotels, um, so kind of twofold. We looked at the opportunity on what would what impact we can make in helping change and influence the industry on a go forward basis, but we also saw an opportunity, particularly with the. Um, with Ambridge going public as a largest management company globally, that that there's gonna be an alternative to an operational style, an independent uh, entrepreneurial organization such as ours or a large organization. And there's some plenty of space in between that we saw an opportunity to come out and help and serve the hospitality community in a different way.
0: Yeah. Um, and the name Humanist Hospitality is an interesting one. How did you come up with that?
1: Well, again, coming out of we, the pandemic really, I think, um, for globally, uh, really impacted a lot of innocent lives um, in in a dramatic fashion. Unlike the downturns of the past that we've had. We've recovered quicker, hired back quicker, didn't have to take a deep cut as we had to do. But purely out of survival mode, globally, it, businesses had to figure out how to sustain. And we were blessed to get some government assistance as in the United States, but there are other countries that got zero and they were on their own. But a lot of innocent people who had, you know, booming careers, contributing at high levels, at every level of, of, of employment, uh, were taken out of the scenario and uh, their lives have changed forever. So as we looked at coming out of this, Humanist was all around the human connection. Uh, we, we took the 24 years uh, of vision and culture and training and development, and we amped it all up. We doubled down on every one of those aspects of the employee relationship, trying to hopefully build back some of the trust that was lost Um, In our industry, because of the choices that we had to make just to stay afloat, just to keep the doors open, just to be able to have this conversation with you, uh, really, we had to make some tough decisions. But we looked at an opportunity of how do we um, help regain that trust back? reinvest in people and well we're hoping to get them back as as our our historical employees but many have moved on to other things so it's reinvigorating the uh the up-and-coming employees out of high schools and colleges that we are now targeting uh yeah. to help bring back the industry
0: yeah yeah growing your own tomatoes uh is <laughs> who used to call it <laughs> going, yeah. going out to the schools and bringing people in but you know that. I think that's an interesting way to look at the evolution of the industry. Um, because a lot of the talk has been around um, you know, tech's influence and when 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 is the eventual implementation, because it's coming at some point, of of, of remote workers or, or much more self-service offerings, things like that, and taking a different perspective on. You know, wait a minute. There's a, a whole bunch of people, literally thousands. Myself, I was impacted by this too, that contributed to the success of a lot of large organizations. Who, when times got tough, were like, "Thanks, you know, we'll, uh, yeah, okay, great, have good luck." <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> very and,
0: tough. Very tough. Yeah, and you know, I I was also personally. I mean, a little bit of my story. Like, I, you know, I I laid off several hundred people before have before getting laid off myself, uh, at the start of the pandemic. And so, you know, that stuff kind of trickles up, but, uh, I think the trepidation of people wanting to get back into it, you know, neck deep day-to-day operations in a hotel is understandable. Um, but one of the things that we're not hearing a lot about other than some higher wages and signing bonuses for people to come back to work in hotels, it's it's that's about as deep <laughs> as the sure. the recruitment platforms go right now. And so I, I like when you say, um, you know, you f- you're trying to evolve things by by figuring out what it is people care about and how do you get them into the industry again and, and excited to be in it.
1: Well, again, I I feel it's important. One, we look at um, the our, our pool of of employment employee opportunity. And then to really analyze what's important to them. Um, And we feel that, yeah, money is always going to be important, but that's not going to keep them staying with you. They're going to one up to the next employer, to the next employer. So it's really looking at ways that we can um, create a deeper relationship. Uh, In fact, we've taken away the term employee altogether. Mm -hmm. All of our team members, which were no longer team members, we call them partners Mm -hmm. because we created a couple pieces secret sauce for us, a couple uh, pieces of, of I think, benefit and, and uh, incentive and recognition that um, is very meaningful and it will demonstrate that we're aligned. Um, and I believe our industry has probably held down wages longer than they should have. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think there's some of that natural evolution that will take place, but we're trying to do things um, like um, like profit sharing and uh, uh, sabbaticals at at different levels, different tiers throughout the organization to say, we want you to have quality of life. We want you to be a part of our family, just like we go home and we want the same thing. So there's this whole sense of of we're all aligned now, by the way, and structure of what we've done. Uh, but in addition, we've added, uh, we double doubled down on our training. We have a, a, a training university downstairs. We call it our gear up program where we take supervisors to GMs, GMs to above property. Uh, and we actually have, we created a curriculum like a college semester basis. There is uh, an enrollment, there is an acceptance, there is a process. And then we work through on a semester type basis to help grow and develop. Uh, our future leaders, because truly Mm -hmm. growing the tomatoes, uh, is, is, is a great analogy. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what we're really investing in creating those types of relationships one-on-one with every employee in our organization.
0: Yeah. Helping people see a future. No, no, there's more than just like, I'm going to come in and clean 15 rooms a day every day for the next 20 years. Right. Uh, which is fine for for some people, but a lot sure. of people, especially if you're trying to get people into some of those really critical, difficult departments like housekeeping, um, with whereas there, there's an aging workforce, and you know we all know what's going on. Uh, you know, it's a it's a good way to look at it. I remember hearing this quote. I think it was Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk that said it. Like you, you can never expect uh, your employees to care about it as much about the business as you do. The owner slash you know, the boss. Sure. Um, and, and I think a lot of that thinking in the past has been because it's, a lot of it is just treated as, uh, we, as, as a product, we just need you to come in and do this thing and then leave. Uh, that is, I think that th- if you look to like, uh, living in San Francisco for so long, me li- living in Seattle for so long, tech dominates the workforce in those two cities mm-hmm. in particular. And there's I, I know several people that work for, for the big tech companies, and there's so much pride of, of being a part of those organizations, even though like sure. some of them work as hard or harder in some cases than we do in hotels. Sure. But I mean, they complain about it a little bit, but they don't mind because there's such a, a feeling of well-being and belonging and and yeah, sure, stock options and profit sharing help. Um, sure. but it's holistic, is my point.
1: Yeah. Well, I feel like they're probably feeling like they're creating something and then they can see their product grow. And I will say Vision has been a developer. Ninety percent of all of our assets have been developed. Uh, So we've given, you know, from picking the dirt selection to creating the design uh, and, and, and opening hotels. But, you know, having your employees feel as though they're part of it, and they are now, uh, that they get to share and saying, yeah, I I, yeah, I dedicated 15 years to this organization, but I was part of it, I felt part of it, and I received treatment as if I was part of it.
0: Right, right. Um, are you guys looking at or, or are you using any new tools to help with this? Is there any new, any new software platforms, any new providers out there that we should be aware of?
1: Well, we have made two significant changes. Um, we've added a, a BI platform, uh, which is Profit Sword, that will allow us to give real-time data. Uh, uh, obviously, it's very important to make decisions as quickly as possible, as accurately as possible. So we did pick up uh, through the pandemic. We made choices. We're now integrating now. We've also increased our HRIS uh, capacity, which is Human Resources Information. Uh, Systems, and we have picked Paycom. Uh, And those two choices allow us to provide real-time both for our future partners, business partners, and the HRS allows us to give a lot of freedom and autonomy and ease of use uh, to our employees or to our partners. Uh, They can look at their schedules, they can ask for time off, they can... Uh, look at their their w twos. They can anything they they want within their what that re, that is reflective of them within our organization. they have access to in their hand on a phone. Uh, and we communicate uh, regularly, almost daily to all of our our partners uh, about events, upcoming uh, holidays, uh, different things that they need to be aware of for insurances and benefits, and those types of things. So we're in constant communication. With all of our our partners,
0: yeah, that transparency piece I think is probably an underrated uh element as well, right you know just meeting meeting them, meeting your partners where they are, where they where collect information yeah absolutely um so i uh, I'm curious to dive in a little bit into your role in particular um, so as c o o um of the organization. Uh, I imagine that there's, um, you've got a certain level of your job is very prescribed and then you've got sort of the, you're in charge of operations. And so you've, you definitely have the drinking from the fire hose of operations on a daily basis (laughs) side of of what you do too. (laughs) Um, what is for those that don't even really know what a COO for a hotel company does, what does a typical day look like for you?
1: was well, as Chief Operating Officer, I oversee um, the totality of every one of our businesses. Um, so looking at, and we have 44 plus other investments that we oversee, that I oversee. So it's understanding a typical day is obviously coming in with my team at the at our home office is you know meeting and greeting and, and talking and engaging in what they're doing and how what barriers that can be you know knocked down uh, for the day to help them be you know feel satisfied and get what they want to get done. Uh, so I think breaking barriers down on a day to day basis is really a critical piece. Not not only for the my home office team, but I view as a chief operating officer. My primary client are my partners at every hotel. Uh, the, my hotels are are one of my key constituents. And so everyone that runs that business remotely from the home office is really my customer. And so making sure that I have the data points and the communication to understand what's going on on a day-to-day basis with them uh, is critical. Um, and how do I break down any barriers or provide resources because i provide resources to create success Mm -hmm. uh is how do i provide resources strategically to help them uh be as successful as they possibly can be at the at the property asset level
0: while balancing everything else.
1: Everything else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like creating um, brands. and
0: <laughs> Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, only that. Uh, you mentioned, you mentioned remote workers and I'm not sure if you meant remote workers, uh, as in people who don't work at the home office or people that are working from home in the, in that capacity. And it just brings up a, uh, an interesting question. Is that something that you guys have been looking at?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, one thing from a, I think from a um, a global perspective, uh, those owner operators that had a fear or distrust of competence outside of the walls of their brick and mortar offices, I think broke down. I think, uh, I think for the masses, I think it's been a great benefit. So I'm speaking to both. I'm speaking to the asset level the, remotely, but also we encourage if we can provide balance for our, our, our partners in the home office, To supply to provide the resources in a setting outside of the building we're okay with that uh we 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 encourage that that quality life balance as you know in this industry it's not an eight to five position it's Mm -hmm. it's on demand it's a 24 7 so many of us work around the clock whether we even know it or not it's kind of second nature that we're on either looking at an email, responding to a question, or answering the phone, or dialing a, a number to, to ask a question. So we're we're perpetually engaged in the business. Um, so to provide that opportunity for our people to work remotely is something that we encourage. Uh, not every it's not for everyone, and yeah. uh, but we want to provide it for those that are really comfortable and productive in doing that. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Does it create any friction with people who are in jobs that can't be done from home?
1: I haven't experienced a lot of friction. I, I think if you're if you run a front desk and you have to be at a front desk, that's where the position is. If you're yeah. making beds, you have to make beds. Um, but I think the the optionality of having, even if it's not full time, even if it's you know uh, uh, two days a week. I think is an opportunity that changes lives, and I mm-hmm. still feel, from my perspective, that there's any productivity lost. You may yeah. get the dog barking or, <laughs> or the baby cry, but yep. it's still you're 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 not spending forty minutes to get to work or an hour and a half to yep. get to work. You're at work is when you when you put on the headset or you open the computer, and and it's instantaneous and it's productive.
0: Yeah, and if you're in a support role where you you're. I'll put air quotes around fortunate enough to work from home, Uh, but if you're in a support role where you are you you help people who are in positions that can't be done from home on the ground in a hotel, um, is I think as long as you're responsive and and truly there to provide a service to your team members that are providing services to your guests, I think that that could probably allay a lot of it. I think you know the. The thing that comes to mind, at least early days, I remember having this discussion with my last organization where um, they didn't want anybody to work from home. And this was at the height of the pandemic because of the perception uh that we were asking our employees to go into work on the ground in the hotels every day. So the home office and solidarity should be there in the office with them. And I get, I do understand that perspective a little bit. I think now we've just we've evolved so much. That was two years ago almost. Uh, sure you know, the thinking and the culture has just changed.
1: Well, but Adam, I, we did the same. Um, yeah. We felt the same way. We were surrounded by our hotels and our people at the front desk. So out of solidarity, we probably went back probably sooner than we should have, but we did for that reason. However, that has evolved over the last two years where logically it doesn't make sense for an, a, a, someone in my accounting department that is on the computer for eight hours a day Putting in invoices and and balancing the books and doing you know bank wrecks needs to be anywhere right. that isn't productive. So uh, exactly. and to force that I think for, uh, constricts the ability or the limits the satisfaction I, I believe of our partners. Yeah,
0: uh, that's a great point. Um, so have you? I, I imagine you probably didn't stop really getting out to visit your hotels. By I, I'm making an assumption here that. It's probably ramping up again.
1: Uh, I uh, I've been on a plane every month since the pandemic began. Okay. okay. Uh, outside of the first thirty days, uh, I have, and I did that to demonstrate it's safe to travel. Uh, that your resources are still here. So I've I was property visiting throughout the entire pandemic, making sure that our partners in the field uh, knew and and uh, and appreciated the connection and and. Because we made a lot of changes. And so there are only a few people <laughs> at each asset. Uh, and uh, we didn't want them to feel like they were on an island by themselves. So to demonstrate that travel is still safe, I traveled every month throughout the pandemic. Um,
0: how do you, when you're on property, um, what, what are you doing when you're there?
1: Well, typically when I arrive, I go straight to the break room, uh to the heart of the house. Um I try to see almost every employee that's in the building at the time and, uh, and thank them for all the hard work and, and dedication and focus that they have. Um, and then in addition, there's, there's uh, business needs that need to be met when I'm on property uh, where we'll discuss strategically uh, how their operation's going. But I think the key is the emotional connection with everyone and including the leadership to talk about their vision, our vision, and making sure that we're fully aligned and that they have the support and resources. Um, I'll be visiting every hotel the first two weeks of December, and it's really to look through any capital needs that they may have for 2022, and uh, and we make quick decisions about what we can allocate immediately. We have a, a full capital plan, but sometimes going in and saying your three vacuum cleaners short, let's just get those tomorrow. Uh, and let's get these things done. I see a crack over here. Let's get that fixed immediately. Uh, for all the right reasons, just, it's just partnering with those hotel operators and the our partners in the field to make sure that we're connected. And we are looking through their lens of how to eliminate any roadblocks, barriers, or hurdles that's making their job more difficult.
0: Yeah. Um, I I've had this experience where you've got an employee who's been dealing with a frustration that seems insurmountable. And then you walk in from home office and they, you know, they're sort of upset about the state of something, or they've been asking for something for a long time and and you're able to just fix it, you know, with the snap of a finger essentially. And it just makes them, makes the job easier. Um, you know, you can just see the relief.
1: Uh, sure. Well, we'll also and, encourage the property leadership to do the same thing. <laughs> oh, 100%. As quickly as possible. <laughs> There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Don't wait for David to get to the hotel. Yeah, please. Yeah, fix it if you can uh, before you get there. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on just one last thing and then we'll wrap the show here. Um, we've talked a lot about the uh, the employee side of things, which is obviously critical, um, but customer expectations uh, of service delivery right now anecdotally have been um, tough in some cases. Uh, others, you know, probably much the same as before the pandemic. Um, I heard a term the other day called skimpflation. skimpflation. which uh, the Skimpflation, which was the the, the, the meaning behind it is uh, customer service businesses are pulling are are purposefully pulling back on services uh, that customers used to get prior to the pandemic, but charging as much or more for less as they were prior to the pandemic. That's that explanation makes sense. Uh, missing the boat completely on what's been going on with with labor, especially in, in just about every restaurant, hotel, you know, airline, whatever business in the country. Um, but a long winded way of getting to the point here where have you guys been putting the same care and attention into the guest experience, given all of the day-to-day challenges that you're facing today that you didn't have two years ago? And like, what is that looking like right now?
1: Well, I will tell you just kind of the evolution of the customer, you know, through the pandemic travel was limited and it was all. the the necessary travel that was taking place, essential workers and so on. Um, And then we had the leisure boom, which is a leisure customer and expectations are very different. And to actually, to your point, what we see now is with business travel starting to come back, the more sophisticated, um, point-driven travelers who have seen coast to coast and globally what hospitality looks like has a different expectation so it is evolving from the essential worker who is just grateful to be out and to be moving uh and to be contributing even though they were in fear so we we provided all the the safety and sanitation and and, and the cleanliness emphasis that we will continue to do i think that's a positive byproduct of what we've taken place is our focus on uh, our not additional focus and continued focus on the cleanliness and that experience from a guest experience perspective. But no, I feel now the traveler has been out. They are paying more money for their rates, uh, for their room nights. And I do believe, like you've mentioned, there is a higher expectation. So what we've done is focused on those moments of truth, uh, which is the interaction between the and when our and our partners and making sure that we are doing everything we can to recognize uh, their loyalty, their commitment, their travel choices and making sure that we continue to provide the highest level of service possible at every touch point. So uh, I do agree. I think the opt-in opt out for the uh, room uh, cleaning I-, I think could stay because frankly I'm a business traveler. I throw the DND, do not disturb on the door immediately. And I just don't want it in my room. I'm half working in my room a lot of the time, and I don't want to be disturbed. And there's a new term out there that's been around for a couple of months now called leisure, which is business yeah. and leisure combined. And those people, which would be me, uh, really doesn't don't want the additional service. I may need my towels, and I may need a refresh but I want my privacy. I, I want my things to be where I've left them because I'm quite organized that way and, mm-hmm. and I like that. But I we find that it's finding the balance of just listening to what the customer really wants and being able to be nimble enough to respond to that. And I think our emphasis is putting a lot more on the front and the moments of truth between our partners and the guests and understanding what they really want.
0: Yeah. Um- Last question here, then we'll wrap. Uh, as a senior leader, is there anything that you have dealt with over the last couple of years through this pandemic that's changed your perspective or your ideas about leadership or the same question in reverse that's reinforced your perspective on something and that you're doubling down on now?
1: Well, the human connection, uh, I think understanding and empathizing with Um, our employees, our partners, and our guests differently. um, I think has been, uh, I think, a great output, um, though it was challenging to really focus. And I look at Humanist Hospitality, we're double downing on training and recognition, reward, communication, everything that we do to make sure that our partners feel like their partners. We use that name intentionally because it means so much. Your, you know, your life partner, your business partner, these are our partners and there's a true meaning and, and an expectation that that term has created that reinforces our ability to double down on the relationship and get to know them on a human to human level, what their real needs are and, and what can we do to, to facilitate making their life better every day. So I've taken out of the pandemic and the struggle and the pain that was caused to so many to really open, you know, my heart more and my mind more, uh, to my ears more to what's really going on on a day to day and in the conversation itself.
0: David, this was a, a fantastic conversation. I appreciate you coming on and giving us a peek behind the curtain.
1: Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it, Adam.
0: This was my episode with David Martin. You can learn more about Humanist Hospitality at humanisthospitality.com. To hear past episodes or check out our other content, go to the provenprinciplespodcast.com Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to The Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.